You'll need coffee shops and sunsets and road trips, airplanes and passports, and new songs and old songs. But people, more than anything else, you will need other people and you will need to be that other person to someone else. A living, breathing, screaming invitation to believe in better things. A Jamie Twardowski quote. Say that three times. From Megan Norton's wonderful book titled Belonging Without Borders. That's right. Get into your cozy pajamas this holiday season. Light those scented cinnamon candles. Dim the lights and listen in on a very special two episodes with author Megan Norton as I engage with her book, which, by the way, is celebrating its one-year anniversary. And not only that, but you can get a signed copy from her this month to celebrate with her momentous milestone. I certainly did, because my Kindle version was not enough. It needs to be written in and paged through from time to time, as this book helps TCKs or anyone figure out where they belong. Are you living or coming from a multicultural or cross-cultural journey in this life? Have you lived abroad for an extended amount of time? Have you married into another culture or are a product of a bicultural relationship? Hello, I'm Mike Sullivan and this is my TCK podcast where we answer ridiculous questions like, where are you from? Hello. Hi, Michael. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I mean, I'm looking at this and I think what I'm seeing here is my excitement about your book, really. This is what I'm seeing here. And that may have really kind of been a lot. I don't even know if we're going to be able to cover all this, but I do appreciate you being willing to be on here anyway, regardless yeah, of time. So. Absolutely. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited to, uh, <laughs> to okay. do this. Do you Just, want me to call you Mike or Michael? That's a good question. Um, I guess uh, you can call me Mike. Mike is fine. <laughs> yeah, Mike. I this is my joke. I I say Europeans can call me Michael and, and Americans can call me Mike. That's that's what I'm going with these days. So. Well, my anyway. brother's name's Michael, so I have I have multiple other names. <laughs> oh, yes. Associated with Michael too. Did did he did he ever go with Mikey when he was younger? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have not outgrown that for some people. Oh, that's, that's sweet. probably one of the most avid listeners and one of my best friends uh, of this podcast. Her daughter uh, was my second guest. Who's a she's a fourth generation TCK, and she still calls me Mikey. So, wow. Anyway, that's sweet. yeah, yeah. I think even my family has moved on, but she has not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway. Oh, man. Um, yeah, we should get started. So, Megan, Megan, uh, thank you really for, for coming on. 
Well, Mike, uh, Michael, thank you, yes. <laughs> Mr. Sullivan. Thank you for the opportunity to yes. be on your podcast. I yes. am seeing the conversations, the interviews being circulated so widely, and I'm so happy for you about that and so pleased for TCKs to be hearing stories and um, being able to relate because of this platform. Mm. Thank you for your time investment. Yeah, uh, it really is kind of a shame that it's it's can only be once a week. I mean, that's time intense enough. But there's an endless number of us with an endless number of really good stories. And so I'm, it's been a great journey so far. I typically take uh, the time, first of all, of course, especially for TCKs like yourself and ask you the ridiculous question. Megan, where are you from? Hesitation, panic, <laughs> confusion. Um, yeah, it's, you know, the way I answer this question always depends on who's asking it. And so, you know, for you, for listeners, I would simply say I'm a TCK and that would be the end of the story. You know, people would be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we get it. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it just depends who is asking and also how much I want to, you know, have the conversation continue to go on. But I often have a five second answer of just saying, um, I am stateside, I, I live in Michigan, but I grew up overseas and I've lived overseas as an adult as well. So sometimes I'll say it's complicated. But if I want to get really poetic about it, I'll say I'm home full. Um, I have several heart homes. And I feel attachment to many places that I've lived. So yeah, it just depends. Certainly, that's definitely the case for me. Uh, my heart has been left in many places. Yeah, certainly the way I frame it. And then even when I'm doing presentations, um, I will put up a world map and then I have little heart symbols over the countries nice. I've lived in. And... Kind of like the, I think Google, uh, Google does that. Google Maps, if you put location marks, you'll see hearts on the on those locations. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I didn't and know so, that. Yeah, sometimes I forget when I put a marker in those places and sometimes I'll suddenly be looking at a Google Map while I'm logged in and I'll just see a random heart over Manila in the Philippines. I'm like, yeah, I, I lived there for a little bit or, you know, somewhere else, <laughs> Chesapeake, Virginia. <laughs> so interesting. So how many countries have you lived in? I've lived in 10 countries. You have me beat. Can you name them? Yes. So I was born in the U S um, off and on. I've lived in the U S I lived there now, but the order of the countries are South Africa, South Korea, Germany, Japan, and Israel as a TCK. And then as an adult TCK, I've lived in Austria, Greece, Hungary, and Poland. Nice. Wow. That's a, that's a collection right there, <laughs> man. That's a good collection right there. Yeah, yeah. I really love every place I've lived. And then, of course, there's always the question of, well, what countries have you visited? <laughs> yeah, and yes. yeah, I, I have yet to visit South America. And so that's definitely on my bucket list. I oh, need so to... you have a continent missing as well. Nice. Yes, yeah. Okay. I have three, so... 
well, if you, if Antarctica is not included, but anyway, <laughs> I will definitely get there. So. That's definitely on the bucket list too. <laughs> All right. I read your book, so I really want to talk about it. Awesome. Thanks and for there's, reading. There's really a lot in there. In fact, there's, I don't, this is not a book that you, you can digest, you know, in, in like a week, even, I think, I, I don't think your book was really meant to be something that could be read straight through. Not, not for a TCK anyway, uh, not with somebody with so much to think about. And so it was a bit difficult for me then uh, to give it the, the time and energy required, I think as a TCK to read it. Uh, but I'll, I'll do the best I can here. Uh, in the time that we have uh, to address some of the things that I I really liked. And I want to talk about, first of all, uh, something that I've noticed as a theme among some of my podcast guests, and that's this thing with nature. Nature, Rachel Kaysen and also Camille Danau uh, have found this to be a restorative feature in their lives, and they continue to use it. Uh, why? Why have you chosen the garden as something to to apply to this setting? Yeah, I love this analogy and, the, and analogy, and I love that other guests have used it also. Um, there's so many directions to take from it. Um, yeah, in the book, I start every chapter talking about gardening principles. Um, I'm not a gardener, so I actually had to do some research on on what it means to to grow things. <laughs> um, and yeah. in doing so, I found this beautiful intersection of how, you know, when you're gardening, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes research. And those principles really translate into having a sense of belonging in mm -hmm. that you need to give yourself time, do research on what you want to cultivate. Those are the basic principles, but, you know, we can also extract that growing things change and belonging will change. Then also with rooting and rerooting, it, it takes time. Um, to be able to do that, uh, it takes a lot of knowledge to know what soil, um, will, is necessary for things to thrive. And mm -hmm. so when we think about TCKs uprooting and rerooting, what mm -hmm. are the environmental things we need to consider? So throughout the book, I'm always like drawing upon those principles and bringing it into what is, what does it mean to belong? Yeah, that's really good. And Great to hear after having a podcast with, with Camille, of course, with Project Roots and her beautiful art with trees and this yes. idea of being rooted. And uh, you have a quote here in the book. You said, some gardeners claim that the more diversity there is in a garden, the more productive and pest resistant it will be. That's my favorite gardening quote from that analogy and it's this idea of the world we live in. The more diverse it is, the more experiences we have, the more understanding we have. Kind of contrasting that uprooted feeling and idea that, that TCKs have. In other words, 
it's kind of finding belonging in in our own sense of diversity and experiences that we have and and the journey that we're all on in that regard. Um, your book is full of quotes. Your book is, I, I've never seen a book with so many quotes in it, in fact. <laughs> and they're really good quotes. And they kind of jar us, right, from our, our discouragement or our apathy. And they inspire us, right? Especially if they're coming from a situation or a person whose story we're familiar with. For instance, like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. or people like that. Do you have a favorite quote from the book? Yeah, that's hard. That's hard to choose. Um, Just a favorite, you know, it's a key word there. You don't have to, <laughs> it doesn't have to be the favorite. It can be a favorite. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Um, well, I'll share something quite vulnerable and I don't think I've explained this to anybody before. So I will explain it actually here for the very first time on this podcast. So I'm holding the physical copy of the book, which is um, the quotes on page 290, 290. And it's a quote from Scary Close, written by Donald Miller. And um, if you don't mind, I'll just read. Yeah, please, please read it. I love this one. Donald Miller, he writes... Only a few times in our lives do we get to know, in the moment, the impact of the moment itself. Robert Frost didn't tell us the fork in the road is easier seen in hindsight, but sitting there by the pond with Betsy, I knew I could either let her really get to know me, or I could dance a jig and burn out like so much false love. I don't mean to overstate what is yet unknown, but part of me believes when the story of the earth is told, all that will be remembered is the truth we exchanged, the vulnerable moments, the terrifying risk of love, and the care we took to cultivate it. Mm. In the book, um, I talk about relationships being, you know, part of our shaping of how we belong um, and and how we perceive belonging, how we experience it. Talk about different relationships, right? The parents, the friends, extended family. One reader pointed out, and I think it was actually um, also a beta reader pointed out, I don't talk about romantic relationships and how we find our sense of belonging with partners, with spouses. And that was a choice as a writer. And I think it's because I'm still writing my own understanding of of that kind of sense of belonging. I'm I'm kind of in the story right now, but that quote was really impactful for me and very pivotal in getting serious in a relationship. And so I left that one in there. I put that one in there as a way of saying, okay, I, I acknowledge that I haven't written anything about romantic relationships and sense of belonging, but it's because I'm um, not dancing a jig and not burning out like false love in my own story right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that for those of us who think about the immense 
commitment or risk it takes to jump into a romantic relationship and find ourselves on the other side of that. That's where that quote really means so much, you know, <laughs> it really, really does. I mean, I, you know, the tears anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, there's so many in here. And Well, and each one has been really impactful in some way to my own sense of belonging. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are quotes I've underlined in books. You know, I have several from Brene Brown. You know, she writes about belonging in Braving the Wilderness. So there are quotes from her. Yeah, quotes, they leave a punchy, memorable, Mm -hmm. like, feeling. Uh, One by Mike Roosh, I guess. I'm not going to be doing well with these names. But anyway, it says grace means that all of your mistakes now serve a purpose instead of serving shame. And so when my book comes out later, Lord willing, um, I'm opening up and I'm being vulnerable to the world about some things that I've experienced in my life that I think are important to discuss. But I'm able to write them from this framework that there's a purpose and that these things are not merely for shame. You know, I do not have to live the rest of my life in shame of some of the things that have happened to me. They can actually be very powerful, in fact, and be a means of helping other people. And so I'm, yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There really are a lot of quotes in this book. And so if if listeners think, well, they're going to say all the quotes and they don't need to read the book. No, you really need to read the book. There's plenty more. In a sense, your book is about belonging, belonging without borders. In fact, that's the title. You make it a very strong case that we cannot really live a healthy or full life without other people. And when we really look at conflict or or things going on around us, um, especially the pandemic recently, you start to see the ill effects of what happens when people are not a priority. You know, we we really need the risk of relationships in our lives. So let's uh, move on to some chapters here. And I'm just going to poke around here. Chapter four, you talked about identity. One of the things you said, I will quote you, I think. I am worthy, I am enough, I am loved, I am valued. As TCKs, we struggle to find this. On very, because of various experiences that we've had, uh, we may feel exactly the opposite. We don't feel valued, we don't feel loved, we don't feel worthy. Tell me why this is so important to you. Ooh, where to begin? I think TCKs sometimes, with, with the high mobility piece, there's that frayed attachment to people, to places, also sometimes to possessions. And so when we have that high mobility piece, um, we're always restarting with relationships. We're restarting with getting to know our surroundings, feeling safe. And then that value piece of where am I valued, um, you know, uh, comes from like, where am I known? Where am I seen? Where am I understood? And so if there aren't people constantly who um, have that consistency in your life as a TCK, it can then work in this faulty message of, all right, then I'm not valued. Um, Who really knows me? Not saying that, you know, this is the truth for every TCK, 
But um, I think it's something we need to be more intentional about in vocalizing to parents um, and then more broadly to organizations or sectors that move families around. How can you care for the the dependents for the TCKs? Because they need to know that they're part of the story too. I think that sectors different organizations, companies, military, government, whoever's moving the family needs to um, be more aware and intentional how to care for the dependents mm. of the family yeah, and to recognize that they need transition support and care mm. as much as the principal worker. Yeah. And I mean, every expat family is raising TCKs. There are so many of them experiencing many of the similar things that we do and that that could be horrifying and yet you know it could be a bit of a horrifying thought too when you think that they may be experiencing some of the unsupported experiences that we've had Um, just a quick question here for chapter six. Uh, you really don't like these, um, I don't know, motifs or, or things in people's houses with like positive vibes only or choose joy. So why don't you like these wall hangings or decorations that that say things like that? Yeah, it's not that I am like opposed to them or like don't like them at all. Like I think they're they serve a purpose to remind mm -hmm. us. Um, about things we can be grateful for and mm -hmm. uh, the joy around us. The, the area I find um, they can be super problematic um, for is when they don't invite a holistic emotions or they don't allow for all, all emotions to be in that space. So mm -hmm. if I'm feeling down, if I'm feeling angry, if I'm feeling disappointed or, or worried, and then I look at this plaque that says, you know, positive vibes only, it's <laughs> like, oh, I'm shutting yeah. down part of me that really needs to just sit there in the in the mud <laughs> mm. in the yuck for a while. And then for choose joy, mentioned that specifically in the book, sometimes when there needs to be some additional mental health support for an individual, um, it's actually biologically impossible for that person to choose joy. And mm. so um, just being aware that if you need extra help mentally and emotionally, um, sometimes yeah. chemically, then then mm. don't, don't, don't just go by that plaque. <laughs> right. No, that's really good. And um, yeah, a bit of Brene Brown and at least categories, you know, the, <laughs> well, at least you have a family, you know, or at least you have, you know, and that's not what people need to hear. You know, people really need to grieve. People need to be unhappy and, and angry. In fact, anger is, is a healthy emotion when they're, they've been violated in some way. Um, dealing with anger in a healthy way, of course, but yeah, that's, that's really good. There's, there's so many more emotions that, that, that are 
actually completely okay to have depending on our circumstances. So I really like that too. Um, chapter seven, you have something that I, I really can resonate with here. You said sometimes as TCKs, we have a faulty internalized message that goes something like this. The next place I move to will be better. <laughs> and this is, this is something that I think a lot of us have been guilty uh, who have been highly mobile. Uh, what is faulty about this internal tendency that we have? Um, broadly, um, I would say sometimes we can romanticize what a place was for us or what it will be for us. And so if we think of that, um, then uh, internalized messaging, sometimes we can go to the extremes of like using superlatives and, and also, you know, words like always and never, and this is the worst place or, the, you know, that was the best place. Um, and so really taking what you're, what you're thinking about the place and verbalizing it to see, is this, is this true? Is this accurate? Um, and then if you're comfortable with, you know, sharing those with your family or with friends, say, you know, this is how I'm perceiving the situation right now. And sometimes it's something that has gone terribly wrong um, in your season of life or mm that you're experiencing, which is coloring then um, your perception of like, I can't wait to move. I can't wait to get out of here. Mm, um, and yeah. so I think it's just really important when we have internalized messages to be able to find somebody safe um, to say, you know, this is how I'm feeling. Um, and can you help me work through perhaps where that's coming from? And mm. is this true and accurate? Yeah, I think one of the things that I started to learn when the reality had set in, in my own economic situation and realizing that when I would say a never, it would happen. <laughs> so if I used a superlative, I'd say, well, uh, I mean, I remember I, I said I would never work for a Korean boss again. And then I ended up in Korea. <laughs> and so I thought, Maybe, maybe something, you know, there's something about this, you know, I think God's trying to tell me something here. Like, you don't do that. I try to make, start to work through your own disappointment in the circumstances that you're in and try and find, you know, what it is uh, that can actually be fulfilling within, you know, the scope of, of the things that you could control. In other words, basically the things I can control are here. I'm going to make the most of it. There may be a silver lining. There may not be, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to, to try. And so that has been really good. In fact, it's been a really good strategy for me to avoid saying, oh, well, this might be the fi my final destination. Yeah, I'm going to settle here. And then soon giving up very quickly and then saying exactly that. When's the next place? Because I'm done with this. <laughs> we we have a tendency to do that that's that's made transitions easier for me that's made saying goodbye easier for me just starting to be able to know you know those those things but we didn't in the beginning you know they were just kind of all thrown around as as children as tck's and that's part of the hard hard parts 
Um, did you have something or? Oh, um, yeah, I wanted to add on to that. Just saying that if we're always constantly saying that message, the next place is going to be better. Yeah. Um, that can perpetuate that sense of restlessness, rootlessness, mm. uh, that we don't belong anywhere. Yeah. Because there's no perfect location um, right. and community. And so um, being able to be realistic about yeah. that and then how do you shape shift um, mm. and learn to shape shift into d different communities that can help us understand I can be content where I'm yeah. at. Yeah. And there are certain habits that form, like sticking our head in the sand. For me, I will just turn on an endless computer game, start playing. And just say, okay, I'm waiting yes. until I leave and I'm not going to do anything fulfilling from here until the time I leave, things like that. And uh, I even did it to my family one time because I was just so uncomfortable with the transition that I just shut off completely. And I didn't know how to intentionally just do quiet activities with my kids or whatever. I just, I, I was a, I was a mess. And so that's what happens when we're just waiting for the next thing. That's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where, I mean, we know better, we do better. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Transitions are really hard for me. Hmm. Um, so in chapter eight, you talk about intentionality and that's this kind of idea that we can be intentional about belonging. We're not just wafing in the wind. You know, we can, you know, we, we have some control over uh, what we do, but I want to focus on the part that you talked about the importance of ending relationships. And you talk about this a little bit, chapter three about seasonal relationships. What do you mean by the importance of ending relationships? I think this is really good. Yeah, there are different, different ways to unpack ending. Um, you know, I talk about what are ways to end relationships if they're not serving you and not healthy for you, talking about boundaries. Um, that was something very new for me to learn in, in, in adulthood of, you know, when is it unhealthy to be extending a relationship? And um we can also take it as perspective of saying good goodbyes in transition, um, whether or not, um, you know, you're moving or somebody else is moving, you know, if you're a leaver or stayer, um, mm -hmm. to use those words by Doug Oda. Um, yeah, just being able to honor what that relationship means to you and mm -hmm. um, also thinking about how to continue it. Um, virtually if if you're not going to be in the same location mm -hmm. but with with seasonal relationships one of my mentors one of my colleagues her name's Tammy Sharp she um, uses the phrase um, sometimes there are friends for the road and then mm -hmm. sometimes there are friends for the journey mm -hmm. um, or something like similar to that but mm -hmm. friends for the road it's what road are you on right now mm-hmm and then you might take a, a right, they might take a left, and then that's the end of that season, walking mm -hmm. on that road. But then friends for the journey of life, it's when, um, you know, you'll, you'll just stay in touch and 
and be able to learn from each other for, for life.